The Indianapolis Colts are traveling south to take on another division rival in the Jacksonville Jaguars for first place in the AFC South. Does Gardner Minshew finally get his revenge against the team that dumped him for Trevor Lawrence? Let's talk about it. Welcome to the Horseshoe Huddle podcast presented by Fan Nation on SI.com, part of the Fans First Sports Network. My name is Andrew Moore, and I'm joined here, as always, with my fellow writer, analyst, and co-host of the Horseshoe Huddle podcast, Drake Wally. Drake, big game for, for Gardner Minshew, big game for the Colts. Uh, Anthony Richardson obviously not playing in this one and won't be playing for some time. So gives Gardner a, a chance to go out there and and show the Jacksonville Jaguars that, hey, he could still win in the NFL. Yeah, and the thing is that and we'll get to it, but the Jaguars have a soft secondary. I mean, they're not an intimidating team against the pass. So if they can't get to, to Minshew, he's just the wrong kind of quarterback for a, a secondary that's struggling because kind of like Stafford did to the Colts, he'll take what you, what you give him. If you give him some explosive plays, he doesn't have the arm for it necessarily. But, um, I mean, he's probably still going to make some good throws downfield. So I'm intrigued by this matchup. It sucks deeply that it's not Anthony Richardson because I would have loved to see him get another crack at the Jaguars. Uh, but, hey, you know what? It happens in the NFL, and at least you got the best insurance pol- policy that, fo- uh, that money can buy in the league. Right, and and we'll we'll talk about Anthony Richardson's injury and, and things that we have heard uh, later in the show. But – we're focusing on Jacksonville. This is a big, very, a very big divisional matchup for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, if the Colts lose on Sunday, they lose the tiebreaker uh, to the Jacksonville Jaguars. But if they win, not only are they a game up on the Jags, they also take that tiebreaker. So going to be very interesting uh, game uh, to see and, and to watch on Sunday. NFL nerd from Nova Scotia is joining us. Uh, great to see you. Uh, thanks for coming back. We have the GOAT, Logan Schmidt, in the building as well. Thanks, uh, Logan. Always great to see you here. We've got Lawrence Stogner. Keep up the great work, Andrew and Drake. Your thoughts on the following, please. AR is a unicorn. Great excitement, but early injury concerns. I have two suggestions to help prolong his career. And then Logan comes in with our first super chat of the evening as well. Not Logan, Lawrence. I'm sorry. Lawrence Stogner with our first super chat. Thank you so much, Lawrence. And, And we'll certainly talk about Anthony Richardson's injury uh, later in the show when we go over the injury report. Uh, But I I wouldn't say that he, that there might be some concerns, but as we said in our last episode, I'm not on the boat that that Anthony Richardson is injury prone. Not yet. Just, just in my opinion, looking as I've watched these injuries over and over and over again, the replays more bad luck than anything else, but really appreciate the super chat Lawrence. And thanks for getting us started on a hot note. Logan says curse gets broken this Sunday, boys. I know Colts fans really want to get that wind in Jacksonville. Kelly saying the same thing and the streak in clown town. And then awesome. Austin saying need Jerry Judy on this team. We're going to talk Ooh. about some Jerry Judy towards the end of the episode uh, mm. and, and the, the rumors that are flying around there. So before we get started, please, if you haven't done so, go follow us on all of our social medias like Horseshoe Huddle on Facebook, follow at Colts on FN on X and subscribe to the Horseshoe Huddle YouTube channel. Hit that bell so you know whenever Drake and I go live. Whenever Shad goes live with the Saddle Up show, just under uh, or just over 
uh, 150 subscribers until we reach 2K. So please, if you haven't done so, subscribe so we can get over that 2K mark here, hopefully uh, within the next couple of weeks. And if you can't catch us live, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts, we're on there as well. So make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Uh, and then I think this is what was going with uh, Lawrence's uh, uh, super chat. So I want to make sure I highlight this before we dive in, Drake. Lawrence says uh, the what he his uh, suggestions to help with Anthony Richardson jujitsu to help with situational awareness and falling and natural grass for Lucas Oil Stadium. So Lawrence, I'm going to start with that second one. Uh, natural grass inside of Lucas Oil Stadium as of right now can't happen uh, the way lucas oil stadium was built there is no irrigation system that's why whenever there's any sort of threat of rain the roof is closed when it was built it wasn't built to to really deal with any water so there it would be it would cost a lot to kind of redo that for lucas oil stadium and and i just don't think that is in the plans um but as far as jujitsu uh drake this is where i want to get your opinion because you're you're bigger into mma than than i am and and i know that tua tonga bailoa has gone through some jujitsu training to help uh as far as being able to position his body to not take as many hits or or make the hits not as as hard when he falls but it's definitely something that that i think other quarterbacks uh, uh have started to look into yeah, and I mean, mixed martial arts has been used by plenty of NFL players to like just hone their skills and just get better, you know, in, in better shape and whatnot. I mean, one that sticks out is like offensive linemen with boxing, you know, that really yeah. helps them with their hands and helps them with their hand speed and whatnot. Um, but that's that's actually interesting that you mentioned that because, yeah, I mean, these guys in, in mixed martial arts, if they are really good in jujitsu, they have to bend, they have to tweak their bodies, they have to turn themselves and absolutely ridiculous positions to get submissions so i think that'll help with his you know flexibility potentially and like he said it's like lawrence said it also helps with body awareness because you're constantly having to know where you're at in the octagon or like in a ring or whatever you're fighting in and it's a very small area so you really get to know how big your body is you really get to know like what it can and cannot do and kind of how to position it when you fall and all sorts of other stuff like that so that that is pretty interesting that he mentioned that yeah, so we'll have to see. Definitely, I think the Colts will be working on that and, and formulating a game plan to try to help prevent these injuries in the future. Uh, because when you when you have a, a franchise player like Anthony Richardson, you want him out there as much as possible. But Drake, we're talking about week six tonight. The Colts are four-point underdogs in Jacksonville this weekend. Uh Definitely, it was a, it's a definitely a closer line than it was week one. I think week one, the spread was like seven and a half. And we've, we feel like we've came a long way since week one. The Colts and Jags tied atop the AFC South standings. Uh, the, the Jags are, are on, a, on a little winning streak coming back from London. Won two straight over there. Just came off a, a victory against the Buffalo Bills. And obviously the Colts uh, coming off a victory against the Tennessee Titans at home. So, another tough divisional matchup this time on the road and and i think it's probably going to be a dogfight between these two teams yeah i don't think it's going to be within i don't think it's going to be a 10 point win from either side i i think that they're a little bit more familiar now it was the first game of the season all those hiccups that every team has in their first week they happened from both sides in that game both sides kind of at times look timid and you know i mean calvin ridley was just working with trevor lawrence in real action for the first time so like and he tore he tore it up 
in the first half. So, you know, we'll get to that later. But, yeah, I, I do think it's going to be harder fought. I do think it's going to be closer than people expect. And, you know, later on we'll get to a prediction. I've got a pretty interesting one that I, I'm pretty confident in, actually. Love it. Love it. Can't wait to hear that. So, of course, when you talk about Jacksonville and 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 with Gardner Minshew now starting at quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, obviously you're going to talk about revenge game. Now, when, when asked about it earlier this week, Gardner Minshew played it down, didn't really say he, he didn't really want to talk about it, said, you know, I mean, it was a long time ago, have good memories in Jacksonville. Uh, there isn't an, any animosity towards that. But at the same time, you know human nature has to take over. And even Shane Steichen himself in his presser this week said, you know, this is a big game for Gardner, and I'm excited to see what he does on that field on Sunday. So revenge game for Gardner Minshew. We'll, we'll have to see if the Colts get the dub on, on Sunday. But what do you expect out of number 10 as he leads this offense against the Jaguars straight? Well, I think that he's going to have Jonathan Taylor and uh, Zach Moss at his disposal. So you're going to see him probably handing the ball off substantially. I think the ground game is going to be important. But if we're talking about just Gardner Minshew, it's going to be business as usual. I, I think that he's going to hit those short throws. He's going to take what the defense gives him. He's not going to put the ball in harm's way. Um, but I, I also think that they're ready for this. I think Jacksonville's like, look, he's short. he throws the ball short, even though our secondary has struggled this season. You get, we got to press them, make him beat you. You know, make you know you got to try to make him maybe make a different decision in quick time. So there might be some early shots just to loosen up that secondary. I really do think they're going to come out aggressive. I think they're going to press those receivers and force Gardner Minshew to be really, really accurate in some really small spaces. So I think he's going to have to open up a little bit. And like I said, I think Shane Steichen's going to do something where he opens up the game a little bit more early on for him. I, I I tend to agree in that they they're going to have to make try to get the ball out of Gardner Minshew's hands quickly i mean if 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 the jay if i'm the jaguars i'm watching that game against baltimore where where gardner Minshew did start played that whole game and what what was one of the biggest uh weaknesses or that that we saw from gardner Minshew in that game is either identifying the, the the free man the free blitzer or being able to get the ball out quickly when there was more more when there was more pressure than could be picked up so I'm sure we're probably going to see that from the Jaguars. They're going to want to try to put pressure on Gardner Minshew early to force him into some mistakes. And, and, and that's what the Colts are going to have to be prepared for that. So obviously having a backfield with Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor helps, uh, especially with Jonathan Taylor expected to get more reps and, and more, more touches this week, but you, you still have to be on your game in in the pass in the in in the passing game, and and I think the Jaguars overall rank, uh, I think around eleventh in 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 total yards allowed, total passing yards allowed. So, well, they're not towards the top of the of the league in in pass defense. They certainly have have enough enough there i mean tyson campbell is a phenomenal cornerback andre cisco can certainly lay lay a hit down uh so they might not be one of the best but they can certainly hold their own against the pass yeah and hey this is still a, a young receiving core you know i mean this is a receiving core that outside of michael Pittman is still developing and so uh, you still don't have jelani woods either so the tight ends are pretty young as well outside of kylan grants and so you're absolutely right. I think that they've got a chance to really make Gardner Minshew make the decisions, make perfect throws, that sort of situation. I just do think they're going to be aggressive and they're going to press those receivers. And like you said, they're going to pull off a Kyle Hamilton if they can. They're going to try to blitz some of those secondary guys. 
Don't be surprised if Andre Sisco, you, you see him coming like a heat-seeking missile into Gardner Minshew. The Colts are going to have to be ready for that on Sunday, or it could be a long day for this offense. And I don't know if they're going to be able to get as many as many field goals from Matt Gay to pull off the upset as they did in Baltimore. First super chat of the evening for the CFO of Horseshoe Huddle, Patrick Rye. Patrick, thank you so much for your support, buddy. His first one of the evening says, rumor has it, Jerry Judy has set his dvr to catch the colts game this weekend so yeah we'll, we'll, we're gonna talk about jerry judy uh, towards the end of the episode here and, and everything that that we've heard and everything that's been reported um so i mean hey could the colts be making a move at the trade deadline for a wide receiver uh, we'll have to see what happens but patrick thank you so much for all the support buddy and and for every single one of your super chats they they certainly do not go unnoticed uh but drake we talked about how the, the running game, helping helping uh, Gardner Minshew and, and taking some pressure off the backup quarterback. Jonathan Taylor last week, only 10 total snaps, six carries, 18 yards, caught his uh, his uh, lone target and took on a screen, took it 16 yards. Um, and it, did I say 16 yards for, for his rushing? If I did, I'm at 18 yards. But it's it, it seems like Jonathan Taylor, from what Shane Steichen has said, going to get some more run this weekend. They're they're going to gradually ramp him up until he comes back to to his full his full load of work or close to it. Now that Zach Moss is playing at such a high level, but what do you expect out of Jonathan Taylor this weekend? Let's first, how much how much do you expect him to play, and and what is he going to do in those snaps? Oh, I can't, uh, I can't remember. Did he have 10, 10 snaps? 10, 10 total snaps on Sunday against the Titans. Okay. And if there's like, on average, what, f- between 55 and 70 snaps for an NFL team. So Colts had about 60, 61 uh, plays on offense last week. Okay. So he played like 16% of the snaps then. So uh, I would say that you're going to see him play more like maybe 25 to 30. You're going to see him. They do not. That's the beautiful thing is they don't have to rush him. He hasn't even started his contract year yet. They don't have to rush him back out there. They can just slowly make sure he's good because Zach Moss is playing like a top five running back right now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you don't have to rush Taylor back out there. But I do think that he gets 10 to 14 touches. Again, I think if the Colts can, I think they're going to run that ball as much as possible. I really think they're going to break the will of Jacksonville. So, uh, and they've got a great run defense. So we'll see which breaks. Um, but I do think that, like you said, the workload is going to steadily increase. You're not going to see 20, 25 carries tomorrow, or even in this third game, you're going to see it slowly worked in. Right. And, and so I do expect Jonathan Taylor to, to probably have uh, maybe instead of, instead of 10 plays, you're, you're looking at maybe, 20 25 plays it's going to be a gradual increase uh because i mean people forget yeah see he's been out since he's been out since december so he didn't participate in anything in the offseason did not participate in anything in in preseason training camp nothing so gradually working him back into this thing is the smart way to go about it especially when you have a third leading rusher in the nfl in your stable in in zach moss who just went off for 195 total yards of two touchdowns a week ago so you, you want to keep those guys fresh keep keep increasing jonathan taylor's load but you're still going to give the ball to zach moss you're still going to lean on him heavily to to do some work for this offense and and the, the longer the more weeks we go along with this the closer we get to that full one-two punch between those two running backs so 
heavy dose of Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss is, is probably to be expected. Try to slow the, the game down a, a little bit. Make it so that the Jaguars can't just tee off on Gardner Minshew. You don't want to be looking at, at third and nine, third or, or having a a sack and have it be third and twelve. Get getting behind the chains when you have two dominant backs in Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor. You, you want to be able to use them, and, and so that way you can control the tempo, control the game, stay ahead of the chains, and and just gradually move down the field with those two. Yeah, and, and they're going to benefit from having the other up to speed on everything. I mean, Zach Moss, look, man, it's not sustainable to have 30, 30 attempts and then 23 attempts and 150 rushing yards. It's just, it's just not sustainable for 17 games. So I think if you have both him and Taylor, who are both really up to speed with Steichen's offense, already Moss is already there, but he could really afford to have it dialed back just a hair. Because I do think that he's going to benefit from having Taylor. Taylor's obviously more of the overall back but he's the speed back. He's the elusive back. He's he's the, the home run punch. Whereas Zach Moss, while he can make a lot happen, as we've seen, he is the power back. He's the gritty runner. He's the, I, I love how Zach Hicks mentioned. He reminds him of Frank Gore. I love that. That's a great comparison because he fights for those extra yards. He, he makes those catches when he needs to, but he's not the specialist. So um, like you said, Hey man, it's going to be nice to see them both out there with a more shared workload. Now, now the Colts are going to have to be, on on their on their p's and q's they're going to have to execute in the running game because when you look at the defensive rankings overall the jacksonville jaguars have the fifth best rushing defense in the entire nfl they're only allowing about 81.6 yards per game so Mm -hmm. they're 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 really focused on on stopping the run and and they've been really dominating in, in that category so keeping zach moss and jonathan taylor fresh throughout the game will certainly help but again, it's kind of have to go on this offensive line, which Drake, it's looking like, don't want to jinx anything, but it's looking like the Colts are going to have their full starting line back. Bernard Ryman has practiced in full the past two gate the past two days in practice. He is is clearing percussion uh, concussion protocol as we speak. So getting Bernard Ryman back is huge. Blake Freeland, obviously, I think did a much better job against the Titans than he did against the Rams. But Bernard Ryman is has been a top 10 tackle in the NFL so far this season. Quentin Nelson, not on the injury report for the first time in two to three weeks. Ryan Kelly came back and, and, and reasserted himself again, continuing to play like the best center in football. Will Fries continuing to play well. But Braden Smith, after a slow start to the season, has has been doing pretty well these past few weeks. So offensive line starting to gel, really starting to come on. How do you think they're going to do against this Jaguars front that likes to be really, really aggressive and, and not only get after the run, but they really like to get after the quarterback as well? Yeah, and, and you know, I'm actually like looking at their team stats. And I mean, I just see tackles for loss all over the place. I mean, the, the 23 on the season, and a lot comes from their linebackers and a couple from their corners and safeties, like Andre Cisco, like you mentioned. So I think that the Colts do have a really good because again, I'm not saying you, you have to, you can throw away the first game of the season. You can't. It's a loss. But mm-hmm. here's the thing, man. This was a team that was in their first game coming off of a disgusting year. Okay. So it's like I think that they're a, a much more revamped group now. I think that they've got some some games underneath them, and I think that it's going to really be important if Braden Smith plays or Blake Freeland plays because, yes, Freeland played better. He definitely did. Give him a lot of credit. 
Um, but he will be going against Josh Allen, who in the first game had three sacks against the Colts. And this is against Anthony Richardson. This isn't against a pocket passer who can't run or who can run away from him. I mean, Minshew's going to take the hit or he's just going to, He's just going to lose the yards and go down. So I think that it's very important that they track Josh Allen. He's a name that just gets lost because he has the name, same name as a quarterback for the Bills. This man's a menace. He's he's tied for second right now in the league in sacks, and he got half of his six in that first game against the Colts. So I know it's cliche, but, man, you got to track Josh Allen. Yeah, I, I think you do. And and some of those, uh, here's the thing with Josh Allen as well. While he does have six sacks, you, you can't you can block him, you know, because oh, yeah. two two of those three sacks that he had against the Indianapolis Colts were because Anthony Richardson was pushed or, or ran out of bounds uh, behind the line of scrimmage. And, and Josh Allen was just the closest defender. So he gets credited for that sack. So you take, you take that away, Josh Allen's, you're looking about same sack numbers as Sam, as Samson Ebukam and, and, and Quiddy pay, but he still can wreck the gate. And a lot of times he, he lines up over the right tackle. So that's normally Braden Smith's job to handle. And, and I think with Braden Smith playing better the past couple weeks, I mean, he was among the top five best or highest graded Colts the past two weeks. Um, and, and so he's getting some momentum on his side. He is dealing with a little bit of a, of a, of a wrist injury. Um, and I think maybe even, even a foot injury. So Braden Smith is a little bit banged up. Um, yeah. Foot wrist and hip. So definitely, definitely banged Eesh. up a little bit. Um, <laughs> did not practice on Wednesday was limited uh, today. So, but I think Braden Smith is still tracking to play on Sunday against, against the Jacksonville Jaguars, but boy, having a, having a group of uh, a full group and a full arsenal on that offensive line, especially how, how they dominated up front against the Tennessee Titans. You can probably expect that, uh, an effort like that against these Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. And Hey, you know what? I think somebody mentioned it, um, that, you know, Tennessee did have the best run defense as far as average yards. And, I mean, we're talking from top five. These guys were menaces. Guys like Jeffrey Simmons, I mean, they, they would stuff the run. And the Colts just ran right over them. They did not care about that. Zach Moss had just watched Jonathan Taylor get an extension of a lifetime, and he had a career day. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, maybe the Colts are just like, you know what? Nope, you guys are snow. We're the bulldozer. We're going to take you guys out. Absolutely, we get a snowplow. Sorry, <laughs> I, I, you get it. You get yeah, it. I get it. Yeah. Uh, another super chat from Patrick Rye. Thank you so much, Patrick. You're you're just an absolute legend with all of these super chats that are flying in. Patrick says, "I'd be shocked if the Jags didn't try to rush or blitz a safety like the Ravens effectively did against Minshew." So hopefully, the running back pass protection uh, was stressed this week and that's what we kind of talked about earlier is that when you watch that game against the Ravens Kyle Hamilton had three sacks on the day and, and so Andre Cisco is is probably going to be that guy to 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 come off the edge so when when if I'm a if I'm that if I'm a, a defensive coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars that's what I'm doing and until the Colts can stop it you continue to to send that free blitzer especially on third down so uh, I think the Colts should have a, a game plan for that 
If not, then then I think it could be a long day for this offense. So, Patrick, thank you so much, buddy, for all of your support. Uh, really does mean a lot to us. I want to highlight one more comment from uh, our buddies over there at Bring the Juice. Hey. Uh, sup, boys? Derek here. Biggest concern for me is our run game will, will suffer with AR's ability to run not being available for the next few weeks. And that's, again, that's going to have to be on the offensive line and this running back group. You're not going to have Anthony Richardson freezing uh, the defense with his running ability as much so it's gonna have to be zach moss and jonathan taylor leading the weight and and relying on this offensive line to dominate up front yeah it's like you said that the run that zach moss had that was 56 yards it was because of just a millisecond of a delay from the safety when anthony richardson had the ball in his hands and it allowed zach moss who's typically not your burner to just outrun him so i i, I think that it's going to be interesting. I do think that with the increased workload on Jonathan Taylor's end, it might not matter as much, but it makes it even more important than ever that the offensive line has to show up and make it happen. Exactly. And and again, I mean, we're, we're well, the Colts offense is going to have uh, the, definitely a challenge going up against this Jaguars defense. We've already seen what Trevor Lawrence did against this Colts defense. So as we pivot on over to the other side of the ball, I feel like this is we're a broken record, but every time we talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars, we talk about putting the pressure on Trevor Lawrence. And and it seemed like in the first game, the Colts were able to get some pressure on the edge. Quiddy Pay got a sack, Sanson Ebucom was getting back there, but not much up front. And, and I think that's where that's where this is really going to to lie, Drake, is being able to get to Forrest Buckner, Grover Stewart, get that pressure right in Trevor Lawrence's face so he can't step up into a throw, can't break containment. You're really going to need to get those two defensive tackles right into Trevor Lawrence's lap and, and make him uncomfortable so he can't just dink and dunk it down the field. Yeah, it's it's the absolute worst for a quarterback is having it right up, you know, right in your face, like having the pressure come right at you. Um, I, I'm right there with you. I think that it, especially Taven Bryant too. That's another factor because mm-hmm. he specializes in pass rush. So I think if him, Stewart Buckner, if they can really get a nice rotation going on, and even the rotational ends like Odangbo and uh, you know guys like Taekwon Lewis, who's been doing his typical Taekwon Lewis thing of just being a solid piece in that defense. You can really make Trevor Lawrence hurry, and we—I think—I mean—we saw statistics about it on right with Ryan Tannehill. The guy's laser accurate with a clean pocket, but when there's pressure, he's under fifty percent. I mean, it happens with every quarterback. You put that pressure, especially up the middle, though they can't see, they have to bail, and if they're not the runner, and Trevor Lawrence is mobile, but he's not a running quarterback, you can catch him if he's trying to bail. Exactly. So that's the and and the thing is too. The Jaguars love to get rid of the ball quickly. Doug Peterson loves to dial up plays for Trevor Lawrence to get the ball out to his playmakers because you're talking about Travis Etienne, uh, Evan Ingram, Calvin Ridley, Zay Jones, uh, Christian Kirk. They have a lot of weapons on that offense. So to, to, to neutralize the pass rush trevor lawrence does a really good job of getting the ball out of his hands quickly so that's that's what you need to see you need to see this pass rush really getting on to to trevor lawrence maybe we see more man coverage out of the colts this weekend uh more press so you can have physical the physical cornerbacks like kenny moore uh like a Juju brents really disrupt things with those wide receivers so that way trevor lawrence can't just pick them apart and and dink and dunk it down the field uh 
But I did mention one of those weapons, Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne, the, the running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars, he's been on a tear. He really lit into that Buffalo Bills defense last week, and, and he was the one that, that got the game-sealing touchdown against the Colts in week one. So, so Drake, what are the Colts going to have to do in order to, to limit the, the impact that Travis Etienne has in this game on Sunday. Yeah, you know, he, I honestly, when he was paired with Trevor Lawrence, I was like, that could be intriguing. I did not expect him to be such a, a devastating back. I mean, he can really destroy your off or your defense. Um, I think that if, if they do need to turn to the run, they can do it. Jacksonville, you always think about this pass-heavy scheme and Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence and all these incredible receivers like Ridley and, and Kirk. But my goodness, man, Travis Etienne, he can absolutely be a problem. I think they – I can't remember the amount of carries they gave him, but it was high-volume stuff against the Colts in week one. And so I think that if they can, they're going to lean on the run as well because it's going to make life for uh, – Trevor Lawrence even easier if they can establish that ground game. So um, I, I think that he's also a pretty good passing back. Look for guys like Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed. And um, I, I think Shaq Leonard's returning. I don't think that he was. He, limited, so. Sha Shaq is on Shaq is on pace to return as well. Yeah, so I think that the linebackers are going to be huge to to limit him in the passing game. Tank Bigsby's really not the big receipt, you know, a big receiving back. So. Yeah, I think he's just another freaking weapon, high high energy, high potency weapon in a very uh, high potential offense that if you let them get rolling with the ground game, man, it could really serve bad for you later on, especially in the second half. I agree, and I think the biggest – you kind of touched on it, but to me the biggest threat with Travis Etienne is, is through the air, you know, being able to, to – be that outlet for Trevor Lawrence when when pressure starts to enclose in the pocket, being able to dump it off to ETN. And ETN is is so shifty. He he does a really good job of making the first person miss. So Colts are gonna have to be really, really careful as as far as letting ETN kind of slip out on a third and seven and he's able to pick up eight when you have everybody else covered. So uh, you you said it, Zaire Franklin, EJ Speed, Shaq Leonard, those guys that are typically going to be matched up on Travis Etienne out of the backfield need to wrap him up, wrap him up quickly so that way he can't just start to really move the chains and, and allow the, the Jaguars to dictate the pace of this game. And, and if that happens, I think that taking that, uh, uh, taking that weapon away from the Jacksonville Jaguars and make them really throw it downfield. I don't think that's their strong suit. I think to me, their strong suit is, is really those, those easy quick passes, dink and dunking it down the field. And if you can take that out of the game, out of the game for the Jaguars, your defense is going to have, uh, uh the edge there. But when they do start to throw it down the field, they throw it to Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley, that connection with Trevor Lawrence has proven already in this season to be very, very hard to stop. We saw it uh, the past couple weeks in London, what Calvin Ridley was able to do. And in this first matchup, the Calvin Ridley in the first half, I think either either he was close to 100 yards yeah. or had over 100 yards in the first half against the Indianapolis Colts until they made some, some second-half adjustments. But what are the Colts going to have to do? Uh, you still got that young secondary. Obviously, Juju Brents wasn't playing last time. Uh, uh, Jalen Jones wasn't out there the last time that the Colts faced the Jaguars. What are, what are some changes that you, you think we'll, we might see uh, to kind of – slow down Calvin Ridley and the rest of these these Jaguars pass catchers but we're going to go I'm going to go back to what we were talking about earlier there's going to be press coverage I mean they're going to put a giant guy like Juju Brents on him and uh, you know the thing about Calvin Ridley is he's actually third right now on the team in catches 
behind Evan Ingram with 29 and Kirk leads the team with 30, but it's because of the presence of Calvin Ridley because he has 22 catches, but he's second on the team in yards by just two. So he's averaging 15 yards a catch. I mean, this, this, is, a, this is a big play dude, man. I mean, he is no joke. If you let him run rampant, he will ruin you. I mean, he's, I still think he's a top 10 receiver. I think his talent is top 10 level. So yes, he is of the utmost importance. And uh, at, at the end of the day though, I do think that Jalen Jones and Juju Brents both play better press. I think Juju Brent. Oh no, actually, I think Jalen Jones plays better press. Juju plays better in zone. But don't be surprised if he lines up in in the slot. You see Kenny Moore take take over duties because in that game where he was going off in the first half, they put Kenny Moore on him mostly in the second half, and he was negated for the most part. So uh, I think that they forced Trevor Lawrence to go to other routes. They put pressure on him and forced him to go to other receivers and tight ends and running backs. So at the end of the day, though, priority number one outside of Trevor Lawrence is you have to contain Calvin Ridley. So look for that to be priority number one, and I bet they do it through press coverage. The very good point. Shout out to my beautiful wife, Danielle, for the super sticker, her nightly super sticker. Thank you so much for all of your support as well. But yeah, Drake, I fully expect this, this cold secondary to be a lot more physical with the Jaguars this time around. We saw it, or at least I saw it last week, where Juju Brents, whenever he was matched up on, on DeAndre Hopkins, the Colts hardly ever have one cornerback follow a wide receiver, and most teams don't. But whenever DeAndre Hopkins was was lined up across from from Juju Brents, Juju Brents gave him hell. And DeAndre Hopkins was getting very, very frustrated with Juju Brents on and the physicality that he brought. I saw DeAndre Hopkins chirping to the refs multiple times about how Brents was playing him. And Brents kind of fueled into that. Brents didn't back down. So whenever Calvin Ridley is up against Juju Brents, I'm going to be excited to see how the rookie handles it. The rookie has been playing very, very well. He hasn't been afraid of any wide receiver that he's gone up with against he he has he's starting to get more and more confident as the games go along so this the secondary for the Colts I think is is ready to prove that that the first game against the Jaguars was not their finest moment and and they're ready to go out there and and kind of prove that they are a better unit than that first week and and they want to get their hands on 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 some of some interceptions they want to turn the ball over force Trevor Lawrence into some of those mistakes so it's going to be an interesting battle but hey that could be where the game is is won and lost can the Colts defensive backs really try to put pressure and and make things difficult for these Jaguars pass catchers or are we going to see the the Jags just pass their way up and down the field and and end up blowing out this defense so going to be a very very interesting matchup to watch as we head into Sunday Drake X factor who do you think from the Colts is the player that needs to have the biggest impact for the Colts to come out uh with this game with a victory four and two and atop the AFC South. You know, I had a pass rusher, uh, but as I, as I've been thinking about this and I think, uh, I think Derek um, made a good point there. I'm going to go with Juju Brents. That's who I'm going with. And you know, I'm going to blow people's minds. Deandre Hopkins is six foot one. He's 218 pounds. Juju Brents is six foot four and he's 205 (laughs) pounds. That's just not your typical defensive back. You you don't we you can't practice against that unless you have it and that's not just growing in you know off of trees in the NFL that is ridiculous size and Calvin Ridley is the same height only he's lighter in weight so if Juju Brents can actually get him 
where he wants him in press coverage, it could be a really difficult day for Calvin Ridley. Now, I think that if they run a little bit more zone, maybe you see Ridley get some catches, but Brent's length is such a problem that he can make interceptions and deflections happen in passing lanes that you wouldn't expect. So I think Juju Brent's, even though he's a rookie, he's shown enough promise for me to feel like I can throw the responsibility of him needing to have an X-Factor type of game. So give me Juju Brent's all day. I'm going to highlight this one because I, I think it's a very interesting X factor. Wyatt Law, the, the gentleman that he is, says Drew Ogletree will eat. People forget Drew Ogletree with the, caught that first uh, that first catch right down the seam against the Jaguars in the first meeting from Anthony Richardson. Then he came out because he was concussed on the play. Drew Ogletree, been getting more and more of the snaps, uh, was I think he got 61% of the Colts snaps at tight end last week. Drew Ogletree coming on more and more. We'll have to see. But for me, it's the guy that is going to have his revenge game. It's Gardner Minshew because of how this offense has to has to adapt with Gardner Minshew. What we saw in Baltimore, and I'm sure the Jaguars are going to bring pressure on Gardner Minshew. I don't think this is a game that Gardner Minshew can just keep the offense afloat and 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 the Colts will win. I think. Gardner Minshew is going to have to go out there and make some plays in order for the Colts to win. And, and he's again, I don't, I don't have a, have a concern that he's not going to be able to protect the ball. My concern with Gardner Minshew is being able to, to come up with those explosive plays in the passing game, because the, I think the Jaguars are going to really try to, to tighten things up on the run. They saw what Zach Moss did last week. They know what Jonathan Taylor is capable of. They're going to say, listen, Gardner, you are going to have to beat us, not this Colts running game. So I think if Gardner has a big game and and he and I'm not talking about 350 yards and four touchdowns, but I do want to see Gardner Minshew make some plays in the passing game because I think if that happens, Colts have a good shot here. So so Drake, here we go. Prediction time. Huge game in the AFC South. We haven't even mentioned it, but the Colts have not won in Jacksonville since 2014. Andrew Lux, to that. Andrew Lux, third season in the NFL. Uh, so it's it's a it's a huge challenge, and whoever wins this will have the outright lead in the AFC South and own the tiebreaker moving forward. So Drake, with the clock strikes zero around four o'clock Eastern on Sunday. Who comes out on top? You know, this is a this is a rematch five weeks later of two incredibly brilliant offensive minds. I mean, holy crap. You're talking about Shane Steichen versus Doug Peterson. It's going to be 34 to 31. I think it's going to be heavy scoring, but I do put it with the Colts in favor okay. of winning this game. Now, here's why is because I think Steichen's going to loosen up that box. I think he's going to he's going to try to get the defense to get out of the box because I think initially they're going to make sure they can't run the ball. I think that they're going to take advantage of that weak secondary. I think kind of like uh, uh, Derek said, bring the juice right there. Josh Downs, that's going to be an important factor in the game. I think that the pass catcher is going to be huge. They're going to open up that ground game because watching them against the Titans, against their defense, that made me really confident that they might just be able to use this ground game against anyone in the NFL. I mean, you're talking about the number one defense in yards per carry allowed. That's impressive to do what they did against that defense. So I think that the Colts running game is going to get going at some point. I think that the pressure in this high scoring game from the Colts front is going to be the X factor. If we're talking about a group, they're going to be what makes this win happen. Um, and it might even happen, you know, in the fourth quarter with Matt Gay hitting a game winning field goal for all we know. 
I think Colts fans would certainly, certainly love that. Unfortunately, I think this week I'm going on the opposite side. I do not think very the fair. Colts are going to break the curse. I do think the Jags get the win. Uh, I'm going to go 27-23 Jags, so I think it's a push. Colts don't cover, but they push. Uh, I just, I'm not sure. I'm not so sure. I think Gardner Minshew can go out there and do a really good job. Uh, and and it very the Colts very could very easily could prove me wrong. Go out and dominate on the ground, but I, I need to see those plays from from Gardner Minshew. I think it's going to be a close game, certainly, because I think these teams are very evenly matched. However, I think there's going to be some Trevor Lawrence magic probably towards the end of the game to try to get them over the hump. Remember the Colts had, I think the Colts either were tied or they had the lead against the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, uh, in the fourth quarter uh, in, in week one. So it's going to be a very close game, but in the end, I think the Jaguars are going to just sneak it out uh, and, and get the dub. I mean, if, hopefully the Colts prove me wrong and are able to break the curse down there in Jacksonville. But right now, I, I think that the Colts are just aren't on that level quite yet, especially down their starting quarterback. So, and it's going to be a fantastic game regardless uh, in Florida this weekend. Uh, definitely going to be a heated matchup between these two teams, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So very excited to watch that game kick off 1 o'clock Eastern on Sunday, Colts against the Jaguars. So Drake, let's dive into the Colts injury report and, and give some updates here. Obviously, Colts fans have all heard the news uh, came out earlier this week that the Colts officially placed Anthony Richardson on injured reserve as he recovers from that sprained AC joint in his right shoulder. Colts did not offer a timeline. Shane Steichen said, we're not sure. We're not sure when he would be coming back. Uh did not say if he would need surgery or not. Did not say if Anthony Richardson was going to play again this season. So as of right now, everything is up in the air. We have seen him the past couple of days out at Colts practice, his, his right arm in a sling. But as of right now, Anthony Richardson is going to be out at least the next four games and, and probably a little bit longer. Yeah, and and real quick, actually, uh, Greg Eggleston, you predict twenty-seven to ten Colts. Look, if that happens, then hell yes, what a win! <laughs> An incredible <laughs> so love, win. Love the confidence with that one. Um, it, you know, it it just it sucks. It sucks to see Anthony Richardson have to sit out. But look, um, as expected, I mean, the Colts, but especially Shane Steichen, and now Shane Steichen and the Colts, neither one of those parties have ever been one to give away information. Okay, mm-hmm. so now you combine them, they're going to be even more, you know, tight lipped than before. So you're not going to hear anything until you need to hear it. That's all you need to know. So right now, it, it appears to be what was it a uh, a grade? Was it a grade three? grade three? Mm-hmm. Okay, so like that, I, I think a Derek Carr had a grade two, and he was out for I think was it a week? He he, he played that next week. So okay, and, so. and I guess the I guess the Saints never officially came out and said what what kind of grade it was, but people speculated that it was a grade two. Uh, and Anthony Richardson so far. From everything we've heard, and it's been confirmed, he does have a grade three sprain in that AC joint. Yeah, and like just to go back to the whole Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss thing, look, you don't have to rush Jonathan Taylor back out here for two reasons. Number one, there's no expectations on the season still. Okay, obviously you want to make the playoffs, but it's kind of a written rule. Or it's kind of like a, an invisible like goal that it's it's to develop this young squad. If you make mm-hmm. the playoffs, great. But they don't need to rush Taylor out there because Moss is doing so well. It's the same thing with Anthony Richardson. 
Gardner Minshew is a very capable quarterback, like we've said, low-end starter, high-end backup. Well, in this case, he's still a starting-level quarterback. So he's starting this game. You're confident he can at least kind of shoulder the load while you recover your, your franchise QB. So I think that if they need to wait six weeks, they'll do it. Seven weeks, they'll do it. Eight weeks, they'll do it. Look, I don't want to say this, but even if they feel like they would be better shutting him down for the season, I really think that they would turn to that before they would rush him out there. I, I, he's so young. He's 21 years old. If he has to sit out the rest of the year, hope he doesn't. But God forbid if he does, it's like at least it's happening in his rookie year. At least it's happening in a year in the next offseason where he can learn and get back to full health. Yeah, you're, you're, you're exactly right. And, and I think as of right now, surgery still it's on the table but mm -hmm. I, I i i don't think it's likely i and and i, I could be wrong never say never uh, i definitely don't have access to that information but my gut feeling is that if if surgery needed to happen it would have happened already so in my opinion i'm still sticking with what i originally thought i still think that that we will see anthony richardson return after the bye yeah, that gives him seven full full weeks since the injury happened for him to get back on the field so looking at at week 13 uh, uh no excuse me week 12 against the the tampa bay buccaneers in lucas oil stadium uh the colts are going up against the jaguars uh then they're at, ho at home to to the browns at home against the saints travel to carolina to take on frank reichen and the panthers and then they go across the pond to take on the patriots in germany then they have their buy. So right. my guess is they're not going to try to push him back to, to, to return right before the buy, especially going across the country, going up against a Bill Belichick defense with without any any reps under your hardly any reps under your belt the past month. Just just let him rest. Wait, have that full red the week of the buy to rest and recover, and then think about having him come back if he's if he's feeling good uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The initial timeline for this has been four to eight weeks that would put him at seven weeks to return he comes back against the tampa bay buccaneers that gives him seven pre seven regular season games left to go out there play gain invaluable reps and who knows if the colts are still in the playoff picture at that time the colts may even play some more games in the postseason uh if they continue to to win and and stay in the thick of it so in my opinion, that's still the best case, and that's still what I think is most likely to happen. He will come back after the bye, have seven full weeks to rehab and rest, and, and just get ready for the stretch run to end the season. Uh, another super chat from the CFO, Patrick, here. Thank you so much, buddy. It really means so much. Patrick says, piggybacking off a white loss question from before, in 2024, do we see Zach Moss and Gardner Minshew on the team week one, or do other teams? Teams snag them up so uh i'm gonna drake i'm gonna let you answer this first and, and i'm gonna try to find why it's question from before but um do you think zach moss and gardner Minshew are both on the colts week one of next year i think there's a far higher likelihood of Minshew being on the colts than there is moss because i think zach moss has just shown that he is a legitimate 
threat to be a running back one on any franchise. Like he, he can make it happen. Okay. Gardner Minshew, I think that the league, of course, there's going to be quarter, uh, there's going to be quarterback needy teams that are like, well, could he be a nice spot, spot starter? Well, that's the same way the Colts are looking at him. So I think that the Colts need to think he's great for Anthony Richardson. He knows Shane Steichen's offense. Steichen's going to be here as long as Richardson is pretty much. So we need to keep all of that unit together. Moss is not as important to Anthony Richardson's development especially now with Taylor getting his extension as I think Gardner Minshew is. And I think the Colts value that a little more. Yeah. And, and I'll bring up Wyatt Law's question here. Can we afford both Moss and JT after 2023? So it's a, it's a very good question. And, and in my opinion, I think if, if, a t if another team out there is offering Gardner Minshew the opportunity to be their starter um, mm -hmm. and, and the money that comes along with it, I mean, sure, Gardner Minshew, of course, you, you wouldn't blame him one bit for wanting to go out and take that. However, if not, and the Colts kind of up up his salary and, and get him up to maybe top backup money in the NFL, then I think there's a good chance that the Gardner Minshew stays with Indianapolis. As far as Zach Moss is concerned, no, I do not see Zach Moss being back with the Colts next year. When you're paying a running back $14 million, you're paying him to be that bell cow running back uh, that Jonathan Taylor has proven he can be. So Zach Moss is going to want an opportunity to go start somewhere and, and be that number one running back. The Colts will be getting Evan Hall back next year. Uh, the Colts already have Trey Sermon on the roster as a backup and Looking ahead to the 2024 NFL draft, this is a pretty loaded running back class, especially uh, uh, probably for day three. You could be able to snag another running back to come in and, and provide some depth there. But So, no, I don't think Zach Moss will be back, unfortunately, but that's because he's earned the right to go earn more money somewhere else and be the top running back for an organization. So great question, Patrick and Wyatt, uh, and thank you so much for the super chat. Really, really Really appreciative of all of your support. So outside of Anthony Richardson, let's look at the practice report from this week. So uh, these guys all missed the game last Sunday against the Titans, but they have practiced in full every single day so far this week. Bernard Ryman and Quiddy Pay uh, entering the final stage of the concussion protocol. I think the last step for them is just to be uh, – uh, cleared by an independent neurologist, which could be happening either tonight or tomorrow. And then Shaq Leonard, who missed last week with a groin injury, full participant all week. Looks like that groin injury is, is gone, and Shaq is ready to go, which is a nice boost to the Colts' defense. Uh, Mo Ali cox had the concussion last in last week's game. He was a limited participant today in the red non-contact jersey, so he's entering the final stages of the concussion protocol, which is good to see. And then Braden Smith, after not practicing Wednesday to to foot wrist and hip injuries <laughs> it's just so banged up man um he was a limited participant today so all of these guys trending in the right direction to play on sunday and the Colts could be pretty healthy outside of their starting quarterback unfortunately which is probably the most important of all these injuries but overall all the Colts are, are trending in the right direction and and this team is pretty healthy heading into a huge week six matchup yeah, and I, I would trend. I would tend to think that Braden Smith is definitely trending towards playing. I mean, these offensive linemen—they're built different. I mean, they—they'll go out. These offensive, defensive front guys—they'll just go out there and play when they're banged up. I mean, look at DeForest Buckner all last year. So, uh, I, I would, I would think that, like you said, the worst injury is obviously Anthony Richardson. But hey, if Braden Smith plays, you have a fully healthy, capable now 
Colts offensive line, giving Gardner Minshew the best possible protection and situation that he can have. So, hey, that's even better if you can get Braden Smith to stay healthy. Exactly. So let's move along to the latest Colts news and rumors. And I know a lot of you guys wanted to talk about it. So we're going to dive into the big rumor uh, coming about the Colts that, that came out today. Uh, our friend Destin Adams, former colleague here at Horseshoe Huddle, he's been killing it over at his new gig. So shout out to Destin uh, for just being being one of our, our, our top resources and everything and, and a really good friend uh, to both Drake and I. But But Destin reported this today that the Colts have inquired about Broncos wide receiver Jerry Judy in a possible Ooh. trade. So uh, there's been a lot of reports coming out of, of Denver that that the Broncos do plan on trading uh, Jerry Judy and have made him available across the league. Now, the Colts, this is the first time they have checked in on Jerry Judy before. Chris Ballard uh, and his group have, have reached out to the Broncos in the past about the availability of Jerry Judy uh, to do their due diligence. This now this would be made at least the second time that has been reported or publicly known of the Colts uh, a voicing interest in the in the Broncos wide receiver was the 15th pick in the 2020 NFL draft. Drake, this could be a big move. Uh, if the Colts did pull this off, would be a very interesting add to this to this offense. So, what what's your opinion on on Jerry Judy and and do you what kind of impact do you think he could make in this Colts offense? Well, ju judging how the Colts had four wide receivers not long ago, I don't really know if I, if I'm too much behind that they'll go for this. Uh, but here's the thing: if they, I think both parties, both sides can benefit from this because right now the Broncos are struggling way worse than they anticipated. All right, they mm -hmm. did not expect for this kind of season to be unfolding. I think they're like one and four, and they're zero and three at home, so they're not doing well. Um, so the fire sale tag is starting to kind of populate i think that if they're looking to maybe i mean judy was there when peyton showed up when sean peyton showed up he's got the the type of experience type of like respect in the nfl where i think that if he wants to do something his way and he says jerry judy's not the guy in my scheme then maybe they're going to benefit from getting rid of him because he's not even hit his prime yet i mean the dude how old is he he's like uh Let's see, he's 24 years old, so mm -hmm. young, so young. He's already got four years. This is his fourth season in the NFL. That's bonkers. Okay, so he's still got the age on his side. They could get some picks. They could probably get some young players for him. And if the Colts were willing to give them up, which they've got some of that that they could make happen, I think that they're looking for saying to themselves, hey, this is a guy that could be – he could be put with Josh Downs. He could be put with Michael Pittman. Alec Pierce, if he can be unlocked eventually, that's a really, really intimidating, you know, quad of receivers that you have to face. So I think that he could have a really good place in Shane Steichen's offense. Maybe it's the way that he gets unlocked, but he also has some really big injury concerns. So I think the Colts are going to look deeper into that than most people think. And they might say, look, the guy has only played 45 games over four seasons or uh, uh, excuse me. Actually, it was 41 games over three seasons, excuse me, uh, before that. So. That's really not very healthy. It was 10 in 2021, and then he missed a couple in 2022, and he's he's kind of dealt with some more injuries this year. So we'll see. I think that if he can be unlocked though in Shane Steichen's offense, Chris Ballard might go for it. Yeah, I, I think obviously if if he did come over, he'd have to play the Z role. Uh, it it would probably be 
Alec Pierce's position um, rather than moving into the X role of, of a Michael Pittman. And, and it's interesting because coming out, Jerry Judy was seen as, as a, a bona fide a wide receiver one. Um, he's a very, he was a very good route runner, very good top end speed as, as well. And, and he was seen as more of a, a route specialist. So um, it does seem like, like he, he could add an element to this, to this Colts offense. Uh, I think it's all going to be about price though. There's going to be a lot of teams, a lot of contenders that are out there looking to see, you know, if Jerry Judy could possibly give us that, that, that wide receiver to help get our offense over the top and, 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 and really bring an extra element for, for the stretch run. So it's, it'd be interesting. I know the Colts have been very interested in Jerry Judy in the past. Chris Ballard really likes him. Uh, you, you wouldn't have to necessarily pay Jerry Judy right away either. The Broncos did pick up his fifth year option. So in that 2020 draft, he'd be on under contract this season, as well as next season was in that same draft class as, as Michael Pittman Jr. and Jonathan Taylor, that could make things a little bit tricky uh, as far as as cap wise. If you're trying, if you're going to pay Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, after this season, and then J- say Jerry Judy does well, and you want to keep him on board, you pay him. Then all of a sudden, you're paying those two wide receivers uh, t- top money, you know, twenty million dollars a year. So it could get a little bit interesting that way. My gut feeling says that there's probably going to be another team that outbids the Colts for Jerry Judy, but who knows if the Colts really love Jerry Judy enough, Shane Steichen really signs off on him and believes he is uh, the missing piece to unlock this wide receiver core then the Colts might pull the trigger. We'll, we'll kind of have to see how things how things go along. The trade deadline isn't for another couple weeks, so it, this could drag on a little bit as well, uh, but definitely some uh, an intriguing wide receiver to keep a look at uh, as, as we get closer to the trade deadline and, and we see where this Colts team is by week eight. Yeah, and it's I think it's also going to depend on if they think he can help Anthony Richardson in the long run. Because again, right. he's 24 years old. He fits the youthful kind of profile of the offense. So we'll have to see. Just uh be on the lookout, everyone. Yeah. And and then I don't I it's, I'm also kind of on the fence of giving up on Alec Pierce so early because you think oh, yeah. I, I don't know if out they Alec Pierce would be involved in that trade to Denver or whether the Colts would just be able to to give give draft capital in return and and kind of keep Pierce on on as well uh, so that way you're not necessarily giving up on him uh it'd be interesting to see how the terms would work out there another super chat from Patrick he says someone asked before if Pierce would be added as a sweetener with a later pick sounds like they're similar so I'd say Alec Pierce definitely has uh better speed than than uh Jerry Judy a much bigger wide receiver Jerry Judy's only about six foot 190 pounds but whereas Alec Alec Pierce is in the six foot three, 200 and in just 215, 210 uh, range there. Um, I definitely, uh, Alec Pierce has definitely had more the more athletic of the two. Um, he's he's got a much better vertical uh, than 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 Jerry Judy. So it, it's kind of who who would you like to see more of the the route runner that Jerry Judy is, or or more of the deep threat of Alec Pierce. So uh, not not exactly similar in 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 their playing styles, but they would they would 
play the same Z wide receiver position. So good question, Patrick. Thank you so much for the super chat, buddy. I, I feel like I'm a broken record saying that, but hey, for <laughs> you anytime, buddy. Let's move along, Drake, to, to our final uh, couple news updates uh, for this week for the Colts. The Colts did sign guard Ike Bodiger to the 53-man roster from the practice squad. He takes Anthony Richardson's spot uh, uh, on there. Um just more more in, more interior offensive line depth which in this in this league uh, you can never go wrong but here's here's i think the more interesting signing the colts signed quarterback kellen mond and wide receiver anthony miller to the practice squad so kellen mond was drafted by the vikings didn't really work out there it was only a couple years ago uh the colts now bring him on as that emergency quarterback and then anthony miller speedy wide receiver who had some success with the chicago bears Another intriguing wide receiver prospect because we I mean we already talked about it. Mari Rogers just got elevated to the to the active roster. KJ Hamler is on the practice squad. Now you bring Anthony Miller onto the practice squad. So Colts. Colts are kind of beefed up at, at wide receiver. I wouldn't say beefed up. That's that's a stretch because these guys are on the practice squad after all. But they have a lot of intriguing names uh, towards the end of their their wide receiver depth chart and on the practice squad. Well, they're bringing in veterans, and they want three quarterbacks on the roster. That's why Mond is here. But, hey, they got Miller. They got Hamler. They've got uh, Rodgers. All three of those guys are veterans and wide receivers. So if we're talking practice squad standards, yeah, that's pretty beefy. Exactly. And then to make room for, for those guys, the Colts did release wide receiver Jawan Winfrey oh, from the damn. practice squad. Winfrey had already been called up twice uh, this season from the practice squad, so if he was called up again, he would have to be elevated to the active roster. So instead of a, a, uh, elevating him to the active roster, he unfortunately goes as Anthony Miller is brought on. But big game this weekend, Drake. Colts-Jaguars in Jacksonville for the outright lead in the AFC South Gardner Minshew revenge game Colts fans I think certainly hope so it's going to be a fun one yeah can it, it, tune in because Gardner Minshew is going to give everything he can he's going to have that gritty performance against his old team and hey for all we know he's going to pull out the win and end this curse in Indianapolis of winning in Jacksonville Colts might finally break the streak and who better to do it than the mustache himself so that's our show for this evening guys really really appreciate everybody who tuned in and and, and joined in live with our chat want to give a shout out to our super chats for the evening uh lawrence stogner patrick rye the cfo of horseshoe huddle and my beautiful wife danielle moore no stats matt tonight stats matt must have been busy uh whether it's a fishing tournament or mowing grass stats matt always has an excuse i mean what, what what's this guy doing here i'm kind of i'm kind of sick of it but uh and thank you all so much who've had more dedication than stats matt to come on the show uh tonight we really appreciate it and if you haven't done so please we really wish and really hope that you follow us on all of our social medias like horseshoe huddle on facebook follow at colts on fn on x and subscribe to the horseshoe huddle youtube channel hit that bell so you know when drake and i are going live whenever uh, uh shod goes live with the saddle up show so you never miss an episode and if you can't catch us live apple spotify google wherever you listen to podcasts we're on there as well so make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star review got our a final super chat from the evening from nfl nerd over in nova scotia really really appreciate all of your support overseas and and love that you have found our show and continue to watch us uh, always you. fun to chat with you nfl nerd thanks a lot for your support Drake, you've been pumping out content on horseshoehuddle.com. Tell the people what they can go check out. 
So I just did the uh, the rumor about Jerry Judy potentially being traded to the Colts to go check that out. Also about how Zach Moss single-handedly by himself is outperforming several NFL teams in rushing. And then, of course, I will be releasing the three goals that the Colts offense has to achieve to defeat the Jaguars on Sunday. Look at this. And Patrick's nightly <laughs> donation to Drake's uh, open bar for his wedding. Going to be an open bar. Patrick is the real MVP <laughs> right there. Uh, for myself, you can go check out a piece on the top five graded uh, Colts from their uh, win over the Tennessee Titans. And then Shane Steichen really opened up about how he feels about Gardner Minshew and, and what he can do this weekend, not only this weekend against the Jaguars, but what he can do for the Colts moving forward until Anthony Richardson does return. So, uh, Real, real honest uh, stuff from Shane Steichen. So make sure you go check that out and all the other great pieces from the writers at horseshoehuddle.com. Go follow Drake at DWallsterDrake. You can follow me at Andrew Moore NFL, and we will be back Monday night to break down everything from the Colts trip to Jacksonville. And hopefully we're talking to you on Victory Monday. So enjoy the game, enjoy the weekend, and we'll see you Monday night.